Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everyone. I invite you to join me in prayer. Let us pray. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Make known your presence with us this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to uh, hear the word of God as it is written in our scripture readings this morning. First from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. I invite you to follow along in, um, with your own Bible or in the bulletin where it's printed. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then from the gospel, uh, according to John, chapter 1, beginning with the 29th verse. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him before this purpose. I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. Today, with the first Sunday of Advent, we enter a new church year. Now, of course, there's nothing sacrosanct about the seasons of the church year. We mark the seasons by the traditional colors here in the sanctuary. Purple is the color for uh, Advent. And you can see purple right here on my tie. Elsewhere you see white because this is Communion Sunday. Yet you can't find these seasons or this kind of yearly church calendar in the Bible. The seasons of the church calendar are not imposed upon us by our denomination called ECO. But by and large, churches in the central Christian tradition in every part of the world have accepted this church calendar from about the 5th century. The church year, focusing on the life of Christ, his teachings, his ministry, his resurrection, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Today is the first Sunday, as you've heard Joe mention and others, of the church year, Advent. Advent means coming. The coming of Christ, 
the incarnation. The first thing I want to say about Advent is this. It's not a season devoted to the preparation for the coming of Christmas. There's more to Advent than so many liturgical shopping days until Christmas Day. Rather, Advent is a season devoted to preparation and anticipation for the coming of Christ. We're not just looking backward into history and celebrating the birth of Christ, we're also looking forward to the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. We began our worship this morning with the Advent hymn, now well over a thousand years old, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. The hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, reflects one of our bedrock beliefs that God, the real God, is not a God who chooses to keep distance from us, but is a God who promises to get involved in our personal lives, to be present in our personal lives, and in the lives, the personal lives of our family, our friends, strangers, and the events of history. Now, this belief was at the core of the belief of God's people, Israel, One of God's most powerful promises that he made to his people, Israel, was that he would be present with them. Even more, God promised not only to be present, but also to be personally involved in their lives. But how in the world will God's people see God's presence with them? Because the people of God could not see God, God throughout all of history gave his people signs of his promises and his divine presence. God gave his people something that they could see. For instance, the burning bush in Exodus 3 where God is the fire that didn't consume the bush. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night that that led God's people through the wilderness in Exodus 13. In our Old Testament lesson from Isaiah chapter 7, God gives King Ahaz of Judah a sign. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What is the purpose of this sign? Some biblical context is appropriate here. In the year 734 B.C., Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the king of Israel, came to Jerusalem to wage war against King Ahaz of Judah. When Ahaz and his people heard this news, they were terribly afraid. So the Lord sent the prophet Isaiah to meet with Ahaz and gave him a prophecy of deliverance in the form of three promises. The first promise from Isaiah Do not be afraid of resin and pica. They are smoldering stumps of firebrands, as he said in uh, chapter 7, verse 4. In other words, resin and pica will be burned up and gone. Two years later, in 732 B.C., both resin and pica died. The second promise from Isaiah, even more, Isaiah made the prophecy that the war would never happen. Isaiah was right, the war never happened. The third promise from Isaiah. Within 65 years, Ephraim, the name for Israel, would be shattered from being a people. Israel will be no more, and so in 722 B.C., 12 years after 
Isaiah's prophecy, Assyria conquered Israel, and the Israelites were deported to Samaria. Then Isaiah summed up his prophecy of deliverance to King Ahaz with this challenge. If you are not firm in your faith, you will not be firm at all. In other words, Isaiah said to King Ahaz that he needed to believe in God and his promises. Why was Isaiah issuing this challenge to King Ahaz? Because Ahaz was not looking at God. Ahaz was not seeing God. Ahaz was not believing in God. Instead, worried King Ahaz was looking at Assyria into the east for help to attack King Rezin and King Pekah. So what does the Lord God do in this time of division and darkness and Ahaz's lack of faith? The Lord strengthens, encourages, gives hope, and confirms the truth of Isaiah's prophecy by giving Ahaz a sign. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, even though King Ahaz remained unfaithful and doubted God's promises, the Lord God kept his promise with King Ahaz. And so our Old Testament predecessors looked to the future. They waited. They anticipated. The years passed. They continued to wait for the coming of the Messiah. Then in the first chapter of the gospel according to Matthew, Matthew reflects on the conception by the Holy Spirit and the birth of Jesus Christ by the virgin and declares the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah and his signs. All this took place, he writes, to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus Christ is Emmanuel, God with us. As the Apostle Paul tells us in his letter to the Colossians, he is the image of of the invisible God. The prophet Isaiah reflects on the image of God in his son, Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter nine, familiar words as we enter into Advent. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Jesus is Emmanuel. The Almighty, invisible, immortal, awesome, and holy God is with us. Jesus is God's answer to the darkness and division and pain of this world. God is saying to us, like he said to King Ahaz, when he sent his sign, trust in me and have hope. We just said the Nicene Creed together. This part we said, for us and our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. Jesus took on our flesh. He became one of us. That means he knows us. He understands us. He cares for us. 
He loves us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Now our New Testament passage from the first chapter of the Gospel of John reflects a time on a time when a few faithful folk in Israel finally found someone they suspected to be God with us. Are you the one they asked? And he answered, no. He said, I baptize with water, but among you stands one whom you do not know, even he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. Behold the Lamb of God, as he said as Jesus of Nazareth walked by. This is Emmanuel. John the Baptist's disciples looked at this one who walked by. They were mystified too. God with us? Who? Him? Could this be the one? So our text from John this morning tells of two of John's disciples who began following this strange character who had been pointed out by their spiritual advisor. God with us? Could this, be, this mysterious one be the rescuing God? Jesus turned and saw them following and asked the question that I might well ask of anyone here this morning who is not quite sure where to find Christ who is real and near. What are you looking for? They responded by saying, Master, where are you staying? Jesus replied, Come and see. My good friends, this is why we have come to this Advent service this morning, to see where Christ, our Emmanuel, the image of the invisible God, is staying, to see where Jesus lives, where he is to be found, to have our eyes opened, to see him perhaps where we have never seen him before. Master, where are you staying? Come and see. Let's come alongside these two disciples, walk a while, as they say, in their sandals. Let's imagine they chose to follow Jesus, walked with him this day and the next, stuck with him to the very end. They went with him. So what did they see? Well, first, they discovered that Jesus had nowhere to stay. Somewhere else in the Gospels is recorded these words of Jesus, foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. It must have been confusing to these disciples who asked, Rabbi, where are you staying? To find out that there was no mysterious place or glorious place for him to stay. Maybe they expected to be led to a mountaintop where Jesus would show them some dazzling domain where he looked down on the earth below. Maybe they expected some kind of spiritual headquarters, some school cram-packed with disciples where they would learn daily from Jesus and be sent out to let all know that the Emmanuel had come. Jesus, where are you staying? Come and see, says Jesus. And they quickly find out found out that Jesus stayed wherever someone offered him a room for the night, stayed with whoever offered to take him in. This is a part of the Advent invitation. Come and see, says Jesus, and we follow and find Jesus with us wherever we happen to be and with whoever we happen to be. Don't think I'm here only in the sanctuary. I'm in your kitchen. I'm on the street. I'm at HEB. I'm in the hospital room. 
I'm at your schoolyard. I'm on a carrier in the South China Sea. I'm in the office. I'm in the schoolroom. God with me wherever I go, whatever I do. Come and see, says Jesus. There was also a time when Jesus took them to a mountaintop and they beheld his glory, God with us. Often the disciples would see Jesus at prayer, which is commonplace. But this time as they watched, they saw for a moment the cloud descend on their teacher at prayer. At such a moment, they saw as they had never seen before the wonder of God's bright and living presence in his son. We call this transfiguration. The biblical account says when they were awake, they saw his glory. Maybe, just maybe, this will be an advent. When we wake up, as we sing the same old hymns, listen to the same old preacher in the same old place, when we wake up in the sameness and see something totally brand new, we wake up and see Christ with us. Author Virginia Stem Owens writes about life when everything becomes merely the opposite of waking up. It is merely water or merely snow or merely fire, merely colored leaves, merely sand or merely matter. In connection with the glory of, its connection with the glory of connection has evaporated. It no longer points to heaven above. You think this is something, wait for the other. It is merely what it is and no more. How sad. Advent and Christmas point us Beyond the merely, Christmas and Advent is a yes, but. Yes, it was merely a stable, but. Yes, it was merely a noise the shepherds heard, but. Yes, it was merely a star the wise men followed, but. Come and see. Maybe this Advent will mean getting beyond the merely, waking up and seeing deeply into the significance of all things. C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite authors. There's a beautiful picture in his story, The Horse and His Boy. One of his stories of Narnia. Aslan, the great lion, is the Christ figure in these stories. The boy Shasta is walking on a steep mountain pass in the middle of a dense night fog. He senses huge presence walking beside him. Shasta finally gets the courage to whisper out, who are you? The resonant golden voice of Aslan answers, one who has waited long for you to speak. Today, are you walking in a spiritual fog? Wake up and realize God is walking with you. This is Jesus, Emmanuel, by your side, even in the fog. Come and see, invites Jesus. The two two disciples ask Jesus, Master, where are you staying? Come and see, says Jesus. And in the end, they saw Jesus stay for six terrible hours in the awfulness of places. They saw him stay on a cross, suffering an awful death. This is the place where I must be, is what Jesus seems to say. Here where my spirit is deprived of the presence of my Father in a brand new way. These two disciples could not believe it. God with us, the Messiah, there on a cross, tortured and abandoned. And yet, in this awful place, we see Christ as we never have seen him before. See from his head, his hands, his feet, 
Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such a love and sorrow meet of, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Have you seen this Christ? The simple words, God with us, are now loaded with new meaning on Calvary's cross. Jesus with us at a time of darkness, division, great pain, and suffering. We are walking in the footsteps of these two disciples of John, who were wondering about this one named Jesus. Teacher, where are you staying? Come and see. Maybe we can then imagine these same unnamed two disciples after the crucifixion walking along the Emmaus Road. Maybe one's name is Cleopas. I think maybe the other was his wife. Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas were filled with doubt and despair. What more was them for them to see? Jesus was dead. Hope was dead. But as they walked the Emmaus Road, a stranger came alongside and went with them. And for hours he talked and they listened. And then they invited Jesus to stop and eat in their home. You know how the story ends. We hear it every time we share in Holy Communion. When he was at table with them, he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they recognize him. Come and see. Jesus beside us. Jesus in the world of the everyday. Jesus in the pain and suffering of the cross. Jesus with us at the table before us. Come and see. Let us pray. As Advent dawns, O God, lead us in the directions filled with promise. Light our paths. Help us to step out boldly in your love. When we walk in strange, dangerous places, steady our nerves by your spirit. Wherever we go, remind us of your son by our side. Emmanuel, Jesus the Christ, Jesus our Savior, Jesus our friend. Amen.